0: Let the church say amen. Amen. John chapter 14, verses number one through verse number six. John 14, one through verse six. The Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, Or many mansions. If it were not so. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place. For you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again. And receive you unto myself. That where I am. There ye may be also. And whether I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. I want to revisit an old passage of scripture this morning. John 14 is often preached in many denominational faiths. Oftentimes you might hear it in the Old Testament reading at a funeral of a loved one or a friend. We are very familiar with the reading of John chapter number 14, 1 through verse number 6. This morning I want to Take us to a place that Jesus and his disciples were uh, when these comments uh, have been made. I want to talk to you uh, on the subject uh, that we have titled on this morning. Let's go live from the upper room. Let's go live from the upper room. Everybody is going live today, Uh, they're live everywhere. And I just thought that since everyone is live everywhere, we might as well go live from the upper room on this morning. One of the things I want you to understand and know before we go any further with this lesson, I know you see John chapter 13. There's a very familiar verse, John 13 verse 35. The Bible says there, by this uh, shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If ye have love, one to another. Verse 34, another familiar passage. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love what? One another. Well, when you look at John 13, John 12, John 14, when you look at the Bible, when they were writing the Bible, uh, there was no chapters. There was no chapters. So there's a breakdown when you look at chapter 12 and chapter 13. When you look at chapter 13 rather than 14, look at the last verse of chapter 13. Turn me down just a bit uh, in the sound room there if you don't mind. Watch this here in John 13. The Bible says, thank you, Jesus answered him, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee that the cock shall not crow. Tell thou hast denied me thrice, right? Back up to verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whether goest thou? Jesus answered him, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will, note this, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Then Jesus said unto him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Then you see, let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, there is no transition from chapter 13 into chapter 14. It is all together. Jesus and his disciples, remember, for the Passover, they are where? They are seated around a table and they are seated in what is called or known to be what? The upper room. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. Now, what I want to do this morning as we go live from the upper room today, I want you to note some things before we come right back to chapter number 14. In chapter 13, there are some things that is going on, and I don't have the time to do the reading, but in chapter 13, watch what happens. Jesus tells his disciples that somebody is what? Is going to betray me. And remember the, the disciples was like, is it I, Lord, 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 is it me, is it, is it me, Lord? And, and, and watch this here, Jesus tells them uh, who it is going to be without what? Without saying his name. And when you look at chapter 13, uh, Jesus, when he talks to uh, Judas, he says, whatever you are going to do, he says, go do it and do it what? Quickly. Now, Jesus, y'all, is going to betrayed, be betrayed by whom? By Judas. Y'all understand that? The next thing you need to understand is this. is Peter speaks up now. And Peter tells the Lord, Lord, I'm going to ride with you or I'm going to die with you. I am going to go all the way till the end, even if it costs me my life. And Jesus says, hold up, hold up, hold up. He says, before the rooster crows, let me tell you something, partner. You're going to deny me three times. Now, I'm coming back to this now, now. Now, and watch the other thing. There's another fella by the name of Thomas. Jesus is going to be crucified. He is going to die. He is going to be what? Buried. And he is going to what? Rise again. Remember, after his resurrection... He comes to the house, and he comes to the house, and he meets with whom? With the disciples. But remind yourself, Thomas is not there. When you are not there, you will miss something. Thomas was not there. So some of the disciples went over to Thomas, right? And remember what they told Thomas. Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. Thomas, I'm telling you, man, we saw the Lord. Thomas says, I don't believe it. Thomas says, listen, since you have seen him with your naked eye, allow me the opportunity to see him with the naked eye as well. Well, on one end, you have one who will betray him. Stay with me now. On the next end, one is going to deny him. On the next end... One is going to doubt him. I find it funny this morning. How can it be for those who are closest to you to hurt you the most? I wish I had somebody right up in here in the corner. It is not those that are at a distance from you. People that are afar from you. Can't hurt you like people who is close to you, and the thing that I'm thinking is this: is why in the world would those who are closest to Jesus? Because remind yourself that Jesus said it a while ago that those uh, are, who are his disciples, and I'm paraphrasing, are those who are considered to be his what? His family and his mother. And his relatives. Uh, So Jesus considered his 12 disciples to actually literally be his what? His family. But those who are closest to you can hurt you the most. A spouse. I wish I had somebody open here. A child. Parents. Parents. Relatives, cousins, and aunts, and uncles, and nieces, and nephews, and, and co-workers, and, and neighbors. Uh, they hurt you the most. And, and watch this here. Number one, in this sense, Judas betrays the Lord. People will betray you. Somebody say, I, I know he, not, he ain't going to betray I'm telling you, people will betray you. Judas betrayed Jesus. I can see somebody betraying somebody else. But why in the world would somebody betray Jesus? And I want you to note something. Jesus tells uh, Judas, he says, what you are going to do, I want you to do it, and do it what? Quickly. There are people who you ought to treat like a homie. But when people show you their hand, when they lay the cards on the table, I might have treated you like a homie in the past, uh, but I ain't treating you like no homie no more because there's levels to this thing. Uh, there are some people who ought to be treated like a homie while there are other people who should be treated like some timers. Y'all ain't going to work with me this morning. I can't treat you like a homie if you are some timers. I said I can't treat you like a homie if you are sometimer. If you are a sometimer, I have to treat you like a sometimer. Stay with me this morning. I'm going somewhere. Not only there was Judas who betrayed. And I've heard people in the church, but all the years I've been preaching in different congregations. Brother Villes, I tell you, I just I just love the Lord. I will never leave the Lord. Preach, I, uh, I just love the Lord. Matter of fact, someone would say, I just love, I just love chestnut. I, I just love Hollywood. I, I just love field plant. I, I just love this church. I ain't gonna never go nowhere. And then a few years afterwards, they have gone uh, bye-bye. <laughs> They'll betray. Thomas. Thomas doubted Jesus. I said he he doubted. Matter of fact, he doubted the disciples, what they saw. People would doubt you. I say people would doubt you. Not in the sense that they don't believe you can. They would doubt you in the sense they would try to speak it into existence. You say, I want to go back to school. And they're like, why you want to do that? Y'all, y'all, y'all ain't working with me. We got more folk on this side, but let me, let me work right over here uh, with these people right over here. Watch this here. You want to go back to school. And they're like, why in the world you want to do that? Right? They'll doubt you. Not so much that they don't believe you can, but they'll try to speak it into existence. You say, well, I met, I met a good man. I met a good woman. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to having a, a good job. Why you want to marry him? Why you want to marry her? Why you want to work on that job? Uh, folk will doubt you not because they don't believe you can, uh, but they try to talk you out of. And some people are so weak that they allow people to talk them out of their God-given blessings. Watch this. and I'm coming to 14. Watch this. Peter. Peter told Jesus, I'll die for you. Isn't that what he said? He says, I'm, matter of fact, he says, I'm, I'm willing to die for you right now. He says, I'll die for you, Lord. Can I say something this morning? Can, can I say something? Talk is cheap. Hello, somebody. Folk would tell you any and everything just to make you feel good. Y'all not listening to me. Talk is cheap. Not long after this, Jesus was arrested. They had Jesus ready to be crucified. They came up to Peter, and they said, you know the man. And Peter says, no, I don't. That was the first time. The second time somebody said, you know the man. Peter says, oh, no, I don't. The third time they came up to him and they talked to him and said, you sound like a Galilean. You know the man. Peter says, no, I don't. And then the Bible says he began to curse. And then he reminds himself when the rooster crows uh, what Jesus said. uh, I don't care what people might tell you. I don't care how good it might sound. I don't care how much they might scratch your itch. I'm going to stop by to tell you. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. All of this, y'all, is happening in the same place. When they heard somebody was going to betray, they were heartbroken. Somebody was going to betray Jesus. They were heartbroken. In verse number one, the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Point number one. Point number one. Don't let trouble trouble you. Don't let trouble trouble you. I don't believe Jesus is teaching here not to be troubled. I believe Jesus is teaching here. Don't be troubled without me. Y'all missing this. I don't think he's teaching not to be troubled. Matter of fact, I don't even know if it's possible for us not to be troubled. Y'all not going to work with me this morning. I don't even think it's humanly possible not to be troubled as a human being. I believe uh, that there are some things in this life. That will disturb us. Jesus was troubled. I know he can't mean in that verse number one. I said Jesus was troubled. Get for me John chapter 12. And verse number 27. John chapter 12. And verse number 27. John chapter 12. And watch how John writes in John 12 verse number 27. Now is my soul. troubled. John chapter 13, verse number 21. John chapter 13 and verse number 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was in he, in his spirit and testified and said, verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. I don't even think it's humanly possible not to be troubled. But I think Jesus is saying, That when you are troubled, don't be troubled without the troubleshooter present on your side. I believe he's saying that when you are troubled, that when you are going through your problems in life, that you don't go through your problems in life without the problem solver on your side. I believe he's saying be troubled, but don't let trouble trouble you. Somebody say, what does that mean? You could be bothersome, but don't let your trouble bury you. You could be perplexed, but don't let your trouble cause you not to have the peace of God. You can be uncomfortable. But don't you forget that you are always under the control of an all-powerful, mighty God. You can be disturbed in life, but don't let your trouble destroy your life. I think Jesus is saying, be troubled, but don't let your trouble trouble you. Watch point two. Here it is. Here it is. Believing in God will change behavior. I said, believing in God will change behavior. Believing in God. How can a person believe in God and not allow it to affect change in their life? Who are you quiet on me? How can you really say, I believe in God? I believe God and not allow it to change who you are. I'm not saying you're going to change overnight overnight. But at some point in time in your life, you should not look like the same person you were 10, 5, 3 years ago. When you believe in God, it ought to affect change. You know, change should really be seen in your own house before it is seen in God's house. We should see change in our homes before we see it in the house of God. We should do it on a small scale before it is exposed on a larger scale. When you say, I believe in God, what are you actually saying? Do I believe in God to the point where I'm going to allow God to change who I am? Am I going to allow God to change me into who he wants me to become? The Jews had a terrible problem. They claimed they believed in God. The Pharisees claimed they believed in God, but they only did it externally. There was no God in them internally. And the problem why the Pharisees could not change uh, the majority of them is because they really did not, they really did not believe uh, in God to the point where they allowed the God of heaven to change who they had become. Did you catch that last part? Who they had become. We can become Pharisees in the church. Oh, you're not working with me this morning. We can become Pharisees in the church. Where the word of God no longer affects and penetrates our heart. We come because it is habitual. We can get in a habit. Of coming to church even reading the Bible and it becomes habitual it does not change it it is habitual we read it because we're trying to to keep our conscience under control we don't want to feel guilty so we come to church we don't want to feel guilty so we pray every once and again We don't want to feel guilty, so we read a couple of scriptures just to say we read the Bible today. If you're not allowing church, if you're not allowing the Bible reading, if you're not allowing praying on your knees or standing up or lying on your back to change who you are, then my question to you is, why in the world you're doing what you're doing? Hmm. Believing in God. Must change. It must change. That's the only identifying mark. The world, I just read it in John chapter number uh, 12 or 13 and verse number 35. The world will know who you are by your what? Love one towards another. Peter, Peter denied our Lord, but believing in God would change. Will change our behavior. Point number three. Watch this here. Competitive. Comparison. Spirit. Watch this in the reading. Verse two. In my father's house. In my father's house. (laughs) Are many mansions. Ah. I'm not going to go there this morning, but in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have what? Told you. In my father's house are many what? Mansions. I want you all to know we don't have to fight over any property in heaven. In the father's house, there are many mansions. Did you all get that? you got to see, in the Father's house, there are many mansions. That word mansions means rooms. or it wouldn't make sense at all. (laughs) In the Father's house, there are many rooms. You don't have to hate on me, Sister Brock, for my room that's in his house. I don't have to hate on Brother Young for the room that God has prepared for him in his house. There's enough room, y'all, to go around for everybody. One of the things I notice in the church, not here but other places, is there is a competitive comparison spirit with some people in the church. Have you ever had people come to your house and almost be angry when they leave your house? Because of what you got in your house, y'all not gonna work with me. They look at your sofa, and then they start thinking about their sofa, and they compare items. Y'all not gonna work with Brotherville. They compare, you may not, they, they, they look at your big 60 inch on the wall, and they look at their 24 inch on their wall. Y'all y- y- help a preacher this morning. They look at your cabinets, and they look at your counter, and they look at your rug, and they look at your floor, and they look at your stuff. And then we compare what you wear. We compare what you drive. We compare where we live. We compare where we work. We compare... What kind of monies we make. Well, last time I checked, all of us are supposed to be family. When you go to your family's house, they they look you up and down. Y'all they going to work with me. You might not think they're watching you. They're looking at you. Yeah. especially at the family reunions. They watch you. They look at you. They are scoping you out. Church, there should not be a competition among God's people. What you competing for? Let me tell you something. You can compete sometime all you want. You ain't going to never catch him. You can compete all you want. You ain't going to never catch her. God lines our life up based on purpose, based on opportunity, Based on what you do and what you don't do in life. Based on planning and not planning. Uh, There are some people who ain't going to never catch him. uh, Who ain't going to never catch her. Stop comparing yourself. And stop trying to compete against people who are considered to be your family. If you need a car. If he got five cars in the yard. You might need a car one day then he might allow you to drive the car. Y'all ain't going to work with me. Huh? You might need a little something-something in life. And if he or she has it, then they might give it to you in life. That's what you do in a family. When people need help or assistance, the family, what? Comes to their rescue. But I can't understand how people, why people compare themselves and compete in the Lord's house, when everything we got don't belong to us anyhow, you just borrowing that stuff. Now, I must admit, some of that stuff the good Lord allow us to have, that's some good stuff. Y'all ain't got to act like that. That's some good stuff the good Lord allow us to have on the earth and thank God for them. But I stopped by today to tell y'all, ain't none of us going to take that stuff with us. Ain't going to take it with you. I know you like it, but you're not going to take it with you. I know you want it, but you're not going to take it with you. Yeah, if you ever see me, and if I got that watch on, and if I'm dead, and my wife's still living, if you want it, then ask her for it. Amen, somebody. Don't bury me with no watch that somebody else wants. Amen, somebody. Y'all ain't going to help no priest. Somebody say, you're dead. I don't care if I'm dead. Take it if you want it. I can't use it on the other side. For what? I'm on God's time on the other side. Why? I don't need a suit. Hello, somebody. I don't know what God going to allow us to wear on the other side. Church, all I'm saying is in some things and in some cases, we got to learn to change the spirit that we have. In the Lord's house, the Lord's disciple says they were arguing among themselves. Y'all remember that about who gonna be the greatest? <laughs> who gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Who gonna be the greatest? Y'all, I'm look. If you go to heaven, and if Sister Gwen, you you outwork me on the earth, and you lay up your timbers up there in glory. And you done laid up more treasures than me in heaven. Uh, Let me tell you something. I don't care if you got more than me in heaven. Uh, The last time I checked, we are both in glory. I thought the goal was to get to glory. I didn't think the goal was to try to have more than somebody else in heaven. Uh, I thought the goal was to get to glory. And Lord, if we just get to glory. I'm gonna praise God for what you got more than me. I don't care what you have, man. I'm in glory. That's the goal. Had a little cousin from Ville Platte not long ago, and his mother had uh, had an issue with him, and he he passed to the next grade, but she had an issue because he did not have, you know, he didn't make the dean's list, he didn't make honor roll, and he didn't get all, he didn't get no award. And I told somebody, I said, well, he might have not got any award, but I thought the goal was to go to the next grade. (laughs) He don't have to have any award. His award is going to the next grade level. Why beat somebody down when you have been successful in the school year? He might have not got anything. Probably didn't even get a perfect attendance certificate. That's all some people got. Y'all ain't got to say amen. You might be sitting down right up in here. That's all you got is that perfect certificate. But you went to the next great level. Church, if we make heaven our home, we went to the next spiritual level. It don't matter what you have and what you don't have in life. We made the goal, and that is to get to heaven. Last point. Watch this over here. Watch this here. Take Jesus at his word. Take him at his word. That's a hard thing for people to do. You can say what you want. There are different, there are different, you know, there may be just a little mound. There may be a hill and there may be a mountain. Some of us can take Jesus at his word uh, on uh, a little mound, on a mound. You know what a mound is? Just a little little something. It's not as high as a hill. It's not as high uh, as a mountain, but it's, it's smaller than a hill. It's a mound, right? We can believe God for the mound, but what about the hill? We can believe him for the hill sometime, but what about getting over the mountain? If God can get you over a hill, if he can get you over a mound, the same God has the strength to get you over a mountain. He's not like a different God who's lost strength. He's the same God who can do the same thing with one challenge or with one difficulty in your life. Take Jesus at his word. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus says, I ain't got no reason to lie to y'all. He said, I ain't got no reason to lie to you. He says, in the Father's house. He said, there are many mansions. He says, I go to prepare, to prepare a place for you. We got to start taking Jesus at his word. We got to start taking him at his word for everything in life. And then we got to take him at his word. For the greatest, highest level of degree in a negative sense, and that's even with death. We got to take him at his word with death. I say we got to take him at his word with death. We have to know that regardless of what happens in our lives, whether we are alive when he comes back or whether we are dead when he comes back, if Jesus says where I am, you will be also. We have to know whether we are alive or dead. Jesus will keep his word. Somebody said, Preacher, what about those who what about those who are cremated? Well, if he or she had been cremated, they can burn them to ashes. His body is gonna come back when the Lord returns. Somebody said, How is it gonna happen? I don't know how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna come back. Every slave. In the 16, 17, 1800s, who jumped overboard or who was thrown overboard into the sea from Africa, the continent, to the United States. Every slave that is at the bottom of the sea is going to be resurrected when the Lord comes back again. I don't care what happened to you, how it happened to you. God will resurrect both the wicked and the righteous when he comes back. But you and I, we got to take him at his word. Whenever we get on our sick beds of life, we got to know that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll come back again to receive you under myself. That where I am, that you may be also. I want you to know sometime, sometime, hear me. Sometimes people have to go that you may grow. I don't have the time to deal with it. Jesus says, I gotta go, or the Holy Spirit cannot come. There are roles and functions in the Godhead. The Son of God has to play his role, the Holy Spirit has to play his role. The Father. Has to play his role. Jesus says, I got to go. Because if I don't go, then the Holy Spirit cannot come. And if he cannot come, he cannot enter into you. And if he does not enter in you, he cannot perform the works of God through you. So I must go so that he can come. And when he comes, the work of God is going to be done through you. There are some people in life who cannot grow because they use people who are closest to them as crutches in life. Sometimes people have to go that you can grow. Sometimes people have to die and be gone in order for you to stand up on your own two feet. There are some people who are 45 years old still leaning on mama's social security check. There are folk 55 years old who are still leaning on mother's retirement check, ain't never left a house, ain't never had a job. They have been using mother, and mother have allowed them to use her as a crutch. Sometimes people have to die off in order for you to stand up on your own two feet. Let's go live the upper room. That was a sad day in the upper room when Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Why betray a man for money and then hours later you give the money back. Don't let the devil bamboozle you. Don't let the devil steal your fate. Don't let the devil trick you. Don't let the devil cause you to turn away from Jesus and away from the church. The devil is cunning. He's crafty. He's skillful. He's wise. He's the devil. He's the devil. His job is to take you out of doing the job of God. If you're not a child of God. You come by hearing His word, believing the same, repenting of your sins, confessing Christ, putting them on in water baptism for the remission of your sins. You stand in need of prayer today. Why don't you? Why don't you ask God, would it be forgiveness of sins, or would it simply be mean I need strength on today? Why don't you come?